How many of you have ever read a book or seen a movie and you got to the end of it and went, oh, the main character I thought I was tracking with wasn't the main character? Ever, ever have that experience? Like, we all think that the Lord of the Rings is about Frodo, but you get to the end of the book and you're left with Sam. And you, you see a drastic change in him and a growth in him. You, you, you watch the first Star Wars movie and you think it's all about Luke Skywalker, but really the whole story is about his dad, Darth Vader, and the redemption of a father. And that's the whole story arc because we don't look at the apocalyptic, uh, apocryphal last three movies. Uh, those are not canon. Anyway. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, we, we read a story and we think we know the, 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 uh, the main character because maybe the title uh, leads us in that direction. The book of Ruth is a good example of this. We think it's all about Ruth, but the story starts and ends with Naomi and her transition from, from being bitter and broken to being joyful. She goes from Naomi to Mara back to Naomi, and it's a story of her development. And when we read the story of Jericho and Joshua's battle at Jericho, sometimes we only think about the walls in the city and we miss a key character who is Rahab. And when we miss Rahab in the story, we miss the gospel in the story. Because really the story's about her and where this is all going. Because the gospel comes through the person of Rahab. And so let's stand together and we're going to read a little bit here in, in uh, Joshua chapter 2 and then we're going to flip to chapter 6, <clears throat> verses 1 to 3 and then we'll, we'll skip down a bit. And Joshua the son of Nun sent two men secretly from Shittim as spies saying, go view the land, especially Jericho. And they went and came into the house of a prostitute whose name was Rahab and lodged there. And it was told to the king of Jericho, behold, men of Israel have come here tonight to search out the land. And then the king of Jericho sent to Rahab saying, bring out the men who have come to you who entered your house for they have come to search out the land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. And she said, true. The men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. And when the gate was about to be closed at dark, the men went out, and I don't know where the men went. Pursue them quickly, for you will overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof and hid them with the stalks of flax that she had laid out in order on the roof. So the men pursued after them on the way to the Jordan as far as the fords, and the gate was shut as soon as the pursuers had gone out. Before the men lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that the fear of you has fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan to Sion and Og whom you devoted to destruction. And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted. There was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is the God of the heavens above and on the earth beneath. 
Now then, please swear to me by the Lord, as I have dealt kindly with you, you also will deal kindly with my father's house and give me a sure sign that you will save alive my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them and deliver our lives from death. This is the word of the Lord. You can have a seat. We're gonna get to chapter six in a little bit because <clears throat> the story's kind of split up uh, a, a bit here. And, and the rest of this, you know, they give, uh, the, the, they give her a sure sign and they say, okay, yes, thank you for being kind to us. Uh, she l- lowers them out, of, the, uh, out uh, of a window. Her house is in the wall. And they say, just put a red cord uh, out and we'll know that that's your place and everyone who's in your house will be saved when we come to attack the city. An enemy appeals to the kindness of the Lord's people. This is our first point. An enemy appeals to the kindness of the Lord's people. And really what's happening here is there is a confession of faith happening from her. Look again, especially verses 8 to 10. Very very important. Rahab acknowledges that Yahweh, the God of Israel, is known by his mighty acts. I know that the Lord, circle that, the Lord. That's the covenant name of God revealed to Moses on Mount Sinai. I know that Yahweh, God of Israel, has given you this land. For we Plural, the people of the city have heard how the Lord, circle it, Yahweh, dried up the waters of the Red Sea. We've heard of his mighty saving acts for you. And then in verse 11, for the Lord, Yahweh, the covenant God of Israel, his personal name, for the Lord, your God, he is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. Which is an ancient Near Eastern idiom of saying everything. He is Lord of all. Rahab acknowledges that Yahweh, the God of Israel, is known by his mighty acts. She acknowledges that he is Lord of all and she submits her life to the purposes of Yahweh, the God of Israel. Now then, verse 12, please swear to me by Yahweh. Again, covenant name of the God of Israel. Swear to me by that name. And they give her a sign, the scarlet cord that will hang from the window so that when the attack comes and when the judgment of God falls, she and her household will be saved And here we can see a parallel between the scarlet cord on the window and the scarlet blood over the door at Passover. The implication of Rahab's confession of faith is that it is widely known information for we have heard how the Lord has worked. And so she appeals to the personal name of God Though God has declared the destruction of the city, there is hope and provision for salvation. Rahab is the first Canaanite convert adopted into the family. She responds in faith and confession, and what we'll see is that she becomes one of two women 
named in Hebrews 12. Sarah's the other one. And when James talks about you will be just, faith without works is dead, for Abraham believed and Rahab believed. It's interesting that it's Abraham, Sarah, and Rahab that are paralleled. The founders of the nation, Abraham and Sarah, and the first Canaanite convert to be brought into the family of God. This is a beautiful gospel in the midst of this, what we normally see in Sunday school is just the walls came tumbling down. Romans 2, 6 to 11 says, he, will, he, God, will render each one according to his works to those who by patience in well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality. He will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. There will be tribulation and distress for every human being who does evil, the Jew first and also for the Greek, but glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good, the Jew first and also for the Greek, for God shows no partiality. Rahab knew that Yahweh, the God of Israel, was powerful and sovereign and active in the world. And she responded out of a fear of the Lord that grew into faith. She submitted to God's purposes. She was open to the Lord. In what areas of your life do you need to submit to the realities of God's sovereign grace? What walls exist between you and God's purposes? Are you going to seek his grace and favor or remain stubbornly defiant behind a wall you think is impenetrable? Because this is the choice that the people of Jericho were given at this point. They know God, they know the story, they know the Red Sea story, She's, she said, this is widely known information, how God fights for you. So what is our response? Are we going to surrender to that or are we going to fight it? Here, Rahab, a Canaanite prostitute, appeals to the kindness of the Lord's people and finds grace. The second thing we see when we head over to the rest of the story, in chapter 6, we'll pick it up in verse 15. On the seventh day, they rose early at the dawn of day and marched around the city in the same manner seven times. It was only on that day that they marched around the city seven times. And at the seventh time, when the priests had blown the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, shout, for the Lord has given you the city, and the city and all that was, is within it shall be devoted to the Lord for destruction. Only Rahab the prostitute and all who are with her in her house shall live because she hid the messengers whom we sent. She is spared destruction by the Lord's people. Now, why did the people of Israel circle the city for six days with the Ark of the Covenant and do nothing? What's the real purpose of that? What's the message being sent to the people of Jericho? You still have time. You still have time. 
You know all the stories Rahab's told us already. They, they know that Yahweh, God of Israel, is strong and powerful and that he has given them the land and that he is Lord of everything. Therefore, you still have time to follow her example. This is an opportunity for the people to surrender and follow the same path and they would be spared. You know, you read through Joshua, and we, we, we gotta slow down here. A lot of people, that, you know, they love picking on Joshua as this, oh, look, at it, it's just like mass genocide everywhere, and we wanna read it through this, this lens of modern stuff. And what's happening a lot in Joshua is, one, a lot of the language is ancient Near Eastern war language, which is highly exaggerated all the time. Uh, for example, the king of Egypt on the Moabite stone said, I have conquered Israel, his seed is no more. I have completely destroyed them. Not a man, a woman, child, or animal has been left alive. Yet there's Israelites still alive. Uh, the, uh, even within Joshua and, and within the Old Testament, there's these, uh, you know, we've completely destroyed this people, everyone, and yet, like a few chapters later, they're still there. You know, the Anakim, the, the giants in the land that were, you know, were talked about before the time of Noah show up again before the conquest. How did they survive the flood? We don't know. Um, but they're still there, and there's still people even after these things. And so a lot of this is just ancient Near Eastern war language. It's kind of like, you know, the border Bruins brutalized the crest and whatevers. You know, you hear the alliteration every time uh, when, when there's a sports thing, and it's usually fairly violent language, like they totally slaughtered them. And it's like, no, they just won. They didn't actually slaughter them. There's a lot of, there's a lot of that at play in ancient Near Eastern war language. But throughout, we see the Gibeonites. We see the family of Caleb. We, we see numerous times where people who were not Israelites get brought into the family. And there is great grace. There was an opportunity. Six days, the Ark of the Covenant and silence was taken around and it was not a war thing. It was more an invitation. It was more a procession of the presence of the Lord. First, second Peter 3, 9 says, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. The enemy Rahab was spared from destruction by the Lord's people. She appealed to the kindness and the reality of who the Lord is. And through a demonstration of faith, Rahab is spared from God's just judgment upon Jericho, but God's grace doesn't end there. She was saved from judgment, but then she was grafted into the people of God. The third point, an enemy becomes part of the Lord's people. Verse 22, chapter 6, 22 to 25. 
But the two men who had spied out the land, uh, Joshua said, go to the prostitute's house and bring out from there the woman and all who belong to her as you swore to her. So the young man who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab and her father and mother and brothers and all who belonged to her. And they brought her, all her relatives and put them outside the camp of Israel. And they burned the city with fire and everything in it, only the silver and gold and the vessels of bronze and iron they put into the treasury of the house of the Lord. But Rahab the prostitute and her father's household and all who belonged to her, Joshua saved alive. And she has lived in, in Israel to this day because she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. She lived in Israel to this day. She becomes part of the Lord's people. Not only is Rahab's life spared, she becomes part of the family. She moves from being outside the camp, verse 23, to living in Israel. And this is talking about her descendants years later, verse 25. Isn't this amazing? She moves from being outside the camp. She moves from being an enemy under judgment to living in Israel. A Canaanite prostitute becomes part of the family. And we don't get five verses into the New Testament before we meet her again. Matthew chapter 1 and verse 5. And Salmon, the father of Boaz by Rahab. The father of Obed by Ruth, another outsider. And Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of David the king. See, the main character here in Joshua right now in this story is actually Rahab because she is the grandmother, great-grandmother, approximately, of David the king. The mother of Boaz, who married Ruth the Moabite, the grandmother of David, the ancestor of Jesus Christ. Three times she is mentioned in the New Testament. I already alluded to this, Hebrews 11.31 one of two women named in that chapter as women of faith. And James chapter 2, 25 to 26, paralleling in the same way that Abraham offered his son Isaac, so too Rahab. These are the only two examples James gives you of faith showing itself through works. Abraham offering Isaac and Rahab Canaanite prostitute hiding these men and appealing to the mercy of God. She becomes part of the Lord's people, adopted into the family and closely, deeply family connected with the saving work of God throughout history. Someone who we'd probably question whether they should be in church, whether they should be accepted into the family so closely. But there she is, 
So how should this story affect the way we think about those who seem far away from God? In the Hebrew of Joshua, the word translated prostitute could be very, it's very fluid. It could just be an innkeeper. However, the word used in James and Hebrews leaves no doubt. It's a pretty specific Greek word. It means prostitute. She was a Canaanite pagan prostitute. Welcomed into the family of God as she confessed that he is the Lord of all. Those who seem far away from God may not be as far as you think. They may be very close to God. How might this story affect the way you see yourself? Ephesians chapter 2, we could read a lot of Ephesians chapter 2 on this, but 12 to 13. Remember that you were at the same time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world, but now in Christ Jesus. You who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. And this is why the story of Rahab is so full of the gospel of God and his grace and his mercy because here is the great ancestor of Jesus Christ who with his blood on the cross destroyed the hostility between Jew and Gentile, making peace, reconciling us to God is one body through the cross. Again, in Ephesians chapter two, so then there, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but are fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Rahab, a Canaanite pagan prostitute, appeals to the kindness of the Lord's people, confesses faith in knowing who Yahweh, covenant God of Israel is. And she is adopted into the family of Israel. She responds in faith and confesses with her mouth that Yahweh is Lord. The Rahab, a Canaanite, pagan prostitute, an enemy is spared destruction by the Lord's people through her confession of faith and her works to save those who she knows need to be spared. And she becomes part of the Lord's people. The red cord hanging out of the window was the sign similar to that of the blood over the doorposts and the lintel as the Passover 
happened way back in Exodus chapter 14, 12, 13, 14. It was a sign that would save. And the sign to save today is the red cord of the blood of Christ on the cross. And so as we come to the table this morning, let's remember that it doesn't take anything but just the confession that Jesus is Lord and that he has paid the price for our sin and our brokenness. And it is through the cross that we have reconciliation with God, the forgiveness of sins, that our lives will be spared John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. So as we prepare for communion, think through those questions I've asked you. In what areas of your life do you need to submit to the realities of God's sovereign grace? What walls exist between you and God's purposes? And are you going to seek his grace and favor or remain stubbornly defiant behind a wall that you think is impenetrable? <coughs> impenetrable. What do you know of God's purposes and will and and how is he patiently waiting for you to embrace and follow through in obedience? And how might this story affect you way, the way you see people around you and the way you even see yourself? Let's pray. As we prepare for communion. Know that you are not too broken for God's grace. Rahab had a lot of dysfunction in her life. With your past pains and failures and sin and anger and disobedience and resistance against God are not a barrier for him. Hang out the red cord now. Or later on the walls will come crashing down. You're not too broken for God's grace to be part of his family. Lord, as we come to this table this morning, we thank you for your provision. We thank you that throughout scripture we see people who were wounded, broken, sinful, who were radically changed by the grace and the mercy of God. We meet Rahab and Joshua 2, and we hear her confession of faith. 
And then we're almost shocked when we read her name in Matthew chapter 1. Great-grandmother to David, ancestor to our Lord Jesus Christ. A woman of faith and action who surrendered to God even when everybody else wouldn't. Her whole city knew the reality of what God was like. And only she surrendered. Only she was saved. Lord, help us not to hang on stubbornly to the ways that we think things should work to protect our own agendas. But may we surrender to your lordship. You are the Lord of heaven and of earth. And you have made a way through Jesus Christ, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Prince of peace, the wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the Father. Who said to Simon at dinner, Simon, do you see this woman? Her tears and her act of love have saved her. It's Jesus who sat down and scratched in the dirt while a bunch of religious people brought a woman caught in adultery and said, we need to stone her. And you offered grace. Lord, many of us come with stuff in our closet And we think either that we can't approach you, that you'll just be angry. We see over and over again that when we fall at your feet, when we surrender to you, you are the God of grace, the God of glory. Who doesn't turn away anyone who truly seeks and surrenders. We were all once enemies of God, caught in our sinful, stubborn ways. All we like sheep have gone astray, but the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastisement that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds, We are healed, made whole, set free. So Lord, today may we come to this table knowing that we're no better than a Canaanite prostitute in need of your grace. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace.
which he displayed at the cross of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you laid down your life for us. May we stand at the foot of the cross today, kneel, fall on our faces, and acknowledge as Rahab did that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords, Lord of heaven and earth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.